Well, hello, Harvest. First time guests, we're so glad you came to worship God with us. That's what we're here to do, worship God, enjoy Him, love one another. My name is Mike, and I want to tell you how proud I am to be pastor here at Harvest. Now, pride is a bad word, most time for us Christians, uh, because we normally refer to pride as that impulse to exalt ourselves above others. But there's another way we use the word proud in English, and that's the way I'm using it. I'm so proud to be the pastor here. A couple weeks ago... Yeah, about not even a couple weeks ago, we had a wedding here, and it was awesome. And, um, and why I was proud, I, I didn't do the wedding, which made me proud. I didn't have to work. I could just lay around. Um, but that's not why I was proud. I was proud um, because I saw uh, on display two families who raised their kids mostly at harvest, not completely at harvest, uh, but within the Christian community and um, I just saw the love in the church for both halves of those people. And I mostly was just so impressed with the young man and the young woman getting married. Uh, you know the world's a better place because they're in it. And then they're getting married. And that's why I was proud because their parents, <laughs> in the rough and tumble of raising kids, uh, did, a, did a good job. And if you have kids, your number one job on the planet is to disciple them. And they did that. And more on that in a moment. But I want to tell you about some more people I'm proud of. I'm actually going to read a list of names of people who this week I'm especially proud of as a pastor. Um, all people who I know and, and, and love, some, most pretty well, some not as much, uh, all who have been subjected to my preaching, which has perhaps left a good mark, maybe not, <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> but I'm proud of all of them. Ready? Fred and Kim Neal and their three kids, Andy and Christy Schaefer and their one son, Greg and Jocelyn Bolowitz and their five kids, Ray and Stephanie Police. Matthew and Dana Murphy and their three kids, Dan and Jason French and their two sons, beautiful and wonderful Gabby Criley, once the, what was it, the little kid queen of the Dayton Fair, and then, all, then the great big, not the great big, you don't want to call them great big, what do you say this, the, the grown-up queen, I don't know what you call them, Gabby Criley, Sandy Collar, Bill and Alyssa Catamore, Sean Campbell, Dan and Susan Weibel and their two children, Brittany and Caleb Gray, and even Matt and Erica Adams and Child made my list. That's 40 people. 40 is a biblical number, right? I've taught you this. If there's ever a Bible question with a number, the answer is 3, 7, 12, or 40. I don't know why. Those are the big numbers. And I perhaps missed a few. I might have left some off, and so I'm proud of them too. Um... These 40 folks, plus whoever I forgot, are set to launch in a week the, the regular meetings of Redemption Church in Lower Borough. And yeah, that's a woo. That's at least a woo, right? They, uh, if you look at their website, you pick up right away what their motto is, declaring and demonstrating God's plan of redemption. Four values. They're Bible-centered, gospel-driven, grace-based daily discipleship. That's long. I'd shorten that to just daily discipleship, but it's not my problem anymore. <laughs> and multiplication. Love it. 
love their heart, love that they're doing it. Um, we at Harvest exist to increase the health and size of God's church everywhere. And if you're new here, if you're new, if you are new here, all forty of those people were once part of Harvest, and now they have gone to start a new church. Why am I excited? Because all of you who've known and loved them, and all of us who've worked together and discipled one another as brothers and sisters do, have a part in who they are today, and they left to start another church, which means harvest multiplied. That's just awesome. That's just awesome. (laughs) I mean, the harvest started small, and, and now, boom, another church. Multiplication is the part that makes me proud. We've multiplied in other ways. We have four campuses. We used to have one. Um, We have church planters planting churches in India. Uh, But what about the future? What about tomorrow? What about the day after? Um, We never want to rest on our laurels. Uh, The end is near. This is our time to live on this earth and accomplish whatever God has for us. So we want to continue to build up our church for the Lord and continue to multiply. Um, And that's why our men's retreat this year is going to be focused on multiplication. We we, we are calling in a a pastor who who doesn't pastor. He might pastor a church now. I don't know. He's, He's planted many, but his specialty is multiplication. And we want to multiply believers, um, and churches. And so we believe, I'm going to say I personally believe that the men of this church unified for the purpose of multiplication would be the most powerful force we could have together as a church. Um, so October 11, 12, and 13 is our men's retreat. If you go on site, I did this last night, it seems to work. There's supposed to be a place you write the discount uh, find it. If you can't find it, then, I don't know, um, <laughs> call the office. Um, but register. I registered last night just to check to see if it works, and it did. Uh, $125. We also are going to have a pre-conference day for those men who are able to get uh, away another day. The day before it starts, on the 10th, just another 25 bucks. It's called Man Camp, October 11 to 13. Um, Pine Springs Camp, never been there. Supposed to be good. There's all kinds of stuff we do at our recreational time, like always. A lot of it this year has to do with shooting things. I don't shoot anything. Um, But if you shoot things, we're shooting clay, we're shooting bullets, we're shooting clay pigeons. I'm not eating any of those clay pigeons. We're, we're, I know that was bad. We're tying, tying what do you tie? Flies so you can catch fish. Uh, someone can climb a tower. Someone can zip online. Or you can just be like me and hang out on the ground. And But really the issue for us is we want to be fishers of men because anyone can catch fish. Not anyone can catch men and women. And so please do, men, if you're uh, every single campus, I want to see you represented. Um, no matter where you are in your walk with Christ, please sign up. Um, All right, that said, we're in the Ten Commandments. I'm having such a good time with the Ten Commandments. We're up to number five, five, 
Five, Exodus 20, 12. Number five. Those of you who brought your children into the service today are going to be happy. Those of you who didn't may not. Um, It's honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land and that the Lord your that the Lord your God has given you. That's our text. Let me say it again. Ready? It's Exodus 20, 12. I'm going to read it a second time. I'm reading it a second time. Second time. I'm trying to cue my video. I can see what's behind me. There it is, second time. If you're not in this room, you don't get that joke, but you can figure it out. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God has given you. That's the whole thing. For many, you think, okay, it's all I need, Mike. I can go now. <laughs> and that's, that's partly true. Um, this command, number one, is telling us honor your father and mother, right? And uh, what's it mean to honor your father and mother? Most people assume they can figure that out without my help. And for the most part, you're right. However... We should pay careful attention to what God teaches us in the Bible about this text. And so there are just a couple of things that I need to share. First, in order to honor your father and mother, you have to respect with your mouth and your hands and your feet. You have to respect with your mouth and your hands and your feet. What do I mean by that? With your mouth, you speak. With your hands and your feet, you obey or disobey. I have a new favorite proverb from Proverbs. This week made it my new one as I was studying, for, or two weeks ago, made it my new one. Ready? It's Proverbs thirty seventeen. It's my new favorite. It's got awesome stuff in it. Ready? Um, by the way, it's good to memorize where you can find verses like this. That couple that got married, that we all got to send them a postcard and got to put verses on it. And... Um, You check to see if people look up verses. You know what I mean? People put verse addresses if they sign something, right? And um, so the person next to me put Job (laughs) 19.17, which means my breath stinketh and is offensive to my wife. So (laughs) the next time you're at a wedding, put down Proverbs 30.17. Ready? The eye that mocks a father... And scorns to obey a mother. Do you see the two things there? One, they're mocking or they're speaking disrespectfully to their father. And they're, ob- and they're not obeying their mother. Will be picked out by ravens of the valley and eaten by the vultures. Moms out there, you can use this with your kids, okay? <laughs> your eyes are going to be picked out by ravens. It's in the Bible. Every parent should probably, should probably be one of the earliest memory verses. You know, when they're three or four, just teach them this one. Because in it is 90% of what your kids need to know for life. I mean it, for life. Keep a proper tongue in your head, do what you're told. That's, some of you people who are older here, maybe even older than me, you, these people could tell you that if, 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 if they just did those two things their whole life, keeping a proper tongue in their head and doing what they're told, life would have been much easier. Or it did go well for some of them. So what does that mean when it comes to parents? One, you always speak well of your parents. I was always amazed at, when I was a kid that some, some, um, some kids would just run down their mom or their dad. They literally call them names when you're on the school bus and stuff. 
Say, my mom's a blank. My dad's a blank. And I was just flabbergasted. I didn't have perfect parents. I liked them. But one thing they would never let me do is, is speak about them like that. And nor should we. Um, speak respectfully to your parents. No talking back. No talking disrespectfully. Ever. Um, when told to do things. And if you're young and still living with your parents here. Um, or if you're 32, still living in their basement, whichever it is. And you think your parents got together with me to ambush you. We didn't. Um, do all things, Philippians says, without grumbling or complaining that you may be blameless and innocent children of God. Uh, to be a child in God's eyes has two parts. Do you see them in that verse? You see them? You do all things, that's obey, and you control your tongue without grumbling and complaining. That's to be a child of God. So to be a child of your parents... Do these two things. And I'll go farther. If you as a child will do those two things, when you're an adult, you will be happier. You won't even have to try. I'm not saying you'll be happy all the time. No one's happy all the time until we get to heaven. But you will be happier than you would be. Because you're going to get a job one day. And you're going to work with people who do nothing but whine and complain and complain and whine and whine and complain and complain and whine. And when they, they try, the boss tries to get them to do anything, they whine and complain. Sometimes to the boss, sometimes behind the boss's back. They're cutting corners. And you're going to say, that person's miserable and I don't want to be around them. But if you do this, you'll just be happier. People will like you better. And it's not because you're more likable. Because <laughs> you're not. Just people like better. People who have positive things to say. And do what they're told. Now a child may say, or a bad employee could say, wait a minute, you haven't met my parents. They're not God. I'd do whatever God said without grumbling and complaining. But my parents are, <laughs> I, I don't think they're so bright. <laughs> to which I'd say you must have hit puberty. Because that's when they, all parents get really stupid. For about ten years. Then all of a sudden you go, hey, how'd you learn so much? The, <laughs> no one got that, forget it. Um, it's an old joke, stolen. The, 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 the parent who isn't perfect should be obeyed and respected. Unless they're asking you to sin. I'll tell you kids, you can always disobey your parents if they tell you to sin, always. You can disobey anyone who tells you to sin. Or if they want to sin against you. But God is the one who tells you to obey them. He has put them in authority over you. You'd say, well, why would he put someone in authority over me who yells too much? They shouldn't yell too much. But let's say they do. Why? Because he has a purpose for your life. And you're going to deal with yelling from that parent well or poorly. And it's going to shape your character and who, the kind of man or woman you're going to be. My kids would sometimes give me the it's not fair. And, and it, they didn't give it to me much because they were tired of hearing the same exact speech because they knew it got them nowhere. 
they gave me a, you're not fair, you're not right, this discipline isn't right, you shouldn't make me do this. I would actually say you could be, you could be right. I, I didn't get a manual for how to be a dad. I'm winging this thing, right? <laughs> I'd say you could be right. I could be wrong. But I know in the commandment it says you have to obey me. So obey God and obey me. And I'd say that to you young people too. To those who insist, no, but my parents really aren't perfect, then let me just say this, neither are you, but God is. So do what he says. The other half of this is parents need to do your part. The way you discipline should be godly. Well, what's godly discipline? There's a lot of tricks to raising kids, a lot of discipline, and there's a lot of experts out there, and I don't pretend to be them. And I do recommend them if they're good ones. You know, James Dobson, I I think he's good, and maybe someone else. But since the scripture only requires really that you keep your mouth in check and you obey, I would say this. Parents, to do your part, we discipline our children. This should be underlined, I think, for only two things, back talk and disobedience. I know this sounds, and if I hadn't raised my children already, maybe I'd be more hesitant to say this. But um, this is the way I did it. I thought it was scriptural. I thought it was common sense. I thought the way my mom would have told me to do it, my dad would have. And, and as I look at the scripture and I look at how other people's deal with their kids, I'd say it. The only thing you're disciplining for is back talk or bad talk, lies, um, talking back, being mean to other people with your mouth, or disobedience. That's it. That's it. You can't allow back talk and you can't allow disobedience. If you do those two, the rest will be okay. I have seen Christian parents, and you never know how to say it. I'm glad I got a pulpit, right? I don't have a pulpit. I have a, I have a wooden stage. But you, you, it's hard. You, can, you, you can't tell your buddy how to raise his kids. He will not like you. It's just so hard. You should, you should just try it. Some of you might have tried it. You lose friends that way. Um, but sometimes I've wanted to jump in and say, would you shut up and leave that kid alone? Um, are they talking back? No. Are they doing what you say? Yes. The re- childhood should have a lot of freedom in it. You say, well, what if I need them to do chores? That's under obedience. Tell them what the chores are and have them do it. But I see Christians who drive their kids crazy with overmanagement or desire for perfection. <laughs> I remember one time I was with a, a, a guy and his, his daughter, and I had little kids then, and his, he had two beautiful daughters, and, and he pulls out a box of like Lucky Charms, something like that. And it's nighttime, and it's a snack, and the kids can each reach in and get one. And one of his beautiful daughters reaches in, and she's got to be five, six years old. She just gets the biggest handful of Lucky Charms one little claw can get. To which I'm thinking, well done, sister. And... <laughs> Her father looks at her and chooses, this is a teachable moment from Jesus. And he says, do you have greed in your heart, young lady? What are you doing to your kid? If she has greed in her heart, let the Lord deal with that. You can't see her heart. You gave her lucky charms. She wants to eat them. You didn't say don't take as much as you can get. And lots of people do this. You over, 
you overtrain your kids. You try to make them perfect. You try to make them the smartest. By the way, I hate to say this. I'm gonna, well, I don't hate to say it. Don't drive your kids crazy making them learn a bunch of stuff before first grade. The way God made the brain, my first grader knowing nothing will catch up to your kid who you baby Einstein in the womb. I know, because I didn't allow any schooling for any of my kids until they went to first grade. I didn't allow it, because I didn't want to ruin their good childhood. I'm not saying you've got to be like me. If you want to take them to preschool and teach them to count and do it, waste their lives, I don't care, because in first grade, they'll learn it in a week because their brains are good like that. My kids are all straight-A students, and they didn't do it. (laughs) So, but even if you are teaching that, just keep your expectations normal. Don't ruin their childhood. The Bible tells parents, says fathers, that could be parents in the Greek, don't exasperate your children. Um, kids will be, but there's the other extreme too, right? Not people who try to make them perfect, people who don't discipline their kids at all. You're lazy. You can be a good parent yourself, but you're lazy. I can discipline my kid, but it's just quicker to do it myself. Mom, I know you're, I've seen this. I know it is quicker to do it yourself. If you don't want to have to do it yourself, don't tell them to do it. But if you're going to tell them to do it, you've got to make them do it. <laughs> if you say, well, then I've got to do too much disciplining, then quit telling them to do things, one or the other. If they're talking back, you gotta, you don't play. You gotta get on that. Like ugly on an ape. Like a hound on a biscuit. Like white on rice. Like smoke on manure. You getting me? Back talking will ruin. Kids should never be allowed it. If you've let these things go, your kids are going to have meltdowns when you try to change it. Here's, here's some advice. This isn't in the scripture. This is Dobson. Um, once you try to change it, don't back down because they will have a meltdown to see if you really mean it because these are new rules. And then if you back down, they'll have a bigger meltdown next time. Um, so don't be lazy with your kids. Okay. Um, next, as a parent, if, if they're going to honor this commandment, you have to live an upright life before your children. You have to be kind. Men, women do this too. So I shouldn't cut it off to men. I see more men than women, but women do it too. So this is everybody. Do not lead your children constantly with anger, disappointment. Hey, 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 stop that. Get over here. And they didn't do anything wrong. I have a good dad voice, don't I? You guys are like, what I do? (laughs) Save that for serious disobedience. Um. Be devout. Go to church and and be what you say you believe. Be patient. Be honest. You know, people want to raise Christian kids. God is the one who saves. You have to preach the gospel and you pray for them. God has got to do the work, not you. But the way he blesses, he's going to bless what you do is if you teach them a godly way. And the godly way is teach them to, to keep their mouths in check Teach them to obey you, and then you're a kind person in their world. And then they're going to have the perfect picture, of not of a perfect person, 
but of a perfect Christian life. And a perfect Christian life is not done by perfect people, if you know what I mean. The best you can do. You've got to make it easy for your kids. Well, so that's that one command. Here's another one the Bible says. Honor your elderly parents. Um, this is part of the fifth commandment. If you, as your parents get older, you, honor doesn't stop when you leave home. I left home, don't got to do that anymore. Well, you don't have to obey them anymore. By the way, parents, <laughs> this isn't in the sermon, but parents leave and cleave. When they get married, leave them alone. You're not, mom, you're not the queen anymore. He's got a new queen. It ain't you. Stay out of the royal business. But once, so they don't have to obey you no more, but they have to honor you. Jesus rebuked the Pharisees for making a rule that allowed for the breaking of the fifth commandment. Let me read it to you. Jesus says to them, God commanded, this is Matthew 15, for God commanded, honor your father and your mother. And whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. That's pretty serious. But you say, so this is a great form of argument whenever you want to write a paper or, or a story or a book or just have an interesting argument. Do a lot of you say, they say, I say, we say, because people like that. And that's what Jesus is doing. He says, God says, honor your father or mother. But you say, if anyone tells his father or his mother, what? You would have gained from me as given to God. He need not honor his father. So what the rabbis were saying was, listen, as your parents get older and they need, they need a little cash, you're allowed to give it to the temple instead of them. They're greedy rabbis. That'd be like me making a rule. Hey, 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 hey. You don't got to give no more money to your kids. Just give it to me and give it, you know. <laughs> That's what they're saying. Except for the parents. So for the sake of your tradition, you have made void the word of God. In America, because we're a wealthy nation, even our poor are wealthy, and if you don't believe it, travel the world, you'll see that. Uh, we're the wealthiest nation and the whiniest nation. We have the freest people, and we whine the most. It's just America. I don't, uh, humans aren't meant to be spoiled. We can't handle it. We really can't. We need a little poverty. In America, most of our elderly want to provide for themselves, and normally they, they can also. However, if they can't, it's on the kids. Uh, children should never leave it to the government. Well, they get social. It's, I love the Social Security stuff. Social Security, what a Ponzi scheme that is, but it's better than nothing, right, if, if that's what you're getting. Um, I love to hear politicians say this, and they will say it at election times. People say, you're going to cut Social Security, and a politician will say this. Have you ever heard this? My own mother's on Social Security. Why would I cut it? I'm always sitting there thinking, dude, you're probably one of the richest people in the room, and you, your mother's got to live on 300 bucks a month? <laughs> Cut her social security and you take care of your mom, you deadbeat. That's what I feel like saying to those guys. I told my kids straight out, you are my retirement plan. (laughs) I'm not joking. I told my daughters, you marry a man with a job. I did. I told them since the time they were little, he's got to have a job. Don't marry him. He's got to pay for you. And when I'm old, I did. You teach the Bible, people think it's weird. That's what the Bible says. No, I'm going to try to not need to play that card, but if things get rough, it's nice to know you have a few people to back you up. Hey, you may think it's funny, but 
uh, I have a South Korean daughter, um, and she, she has another set of parents, her blood relatives in Korea, and um, her and her brother do what all employed Korean adults do. They contribute to their parents' 401k every month. Every month. How many of you Americans would ever think of doing that? What about your own? Well, that's a very biblical thing to do. So each culture has some good things, some bad things. We need to pay attention to our elderly parents. But it's not just money, it's care. It's care. Sometimes they can't walk well, or they can't get around well. Or they, they're, they're, get a house that has enough room for them. And if you're older and you're a parent, quit telling your kids, no, I don't want to be a burden. Well, if, if I got to go to your house every day to keep you happy, you are a burden. Come to my house, you know? I'm serious. That's, people go, oh, that's, this is real life, folks. People aren't meant to live alone in a great big house with no friends and no family. It's weird. It's lonely. And that's the way we do it because we're rich. This is not normal throughout the history of mankind. It's just because we're rich. We can afford an apartment for mom in the high rise, so we don't need to have that woman around. You might not say it that way, but that's how it plays out. Of course, if the parents are, you, you better be good to your kids or they won't want you around, but you know how that is. To parents, oh, I got to throw in this. I hate to throw in this. It's ugly. But being a pastor, you, I've seen it a lot. Anyone who's, who's over 40 has probably seen this at least a little. Don't be greedy over your parents' possessions. That's a bad example to your children, and it's not honoring your parents. By that I mean nothing's uglier than watching people fight over the care dad's going to get because it's going to eat up his money. I've seen it. I've seen it many times. And if you're alive long enough, you'll see it. Kids, one sibling says, mom needs this, just spend the money and get her a nurse. But she only has so much. What's the person really saying? You know what she's saying. When she dies, who's going to get, there's not going to be nothing left for me. Then raise your kids right. No matter. That's just ugly. And then when the will comes, people fight over who got what. To parents, I would say, help your kids be ready for your death. It is a loving example you're setting for them. Um, How? Be fair. Be fair. Don't play favorites. Don't get them to suck up to you. Tell them, you're going to be out of my will. That's just the most pathetic. You do not want to face Jesus after saying that before you die. I guarantee you. That's the stingiest, ugliest, meanest thing you could do. Is to play favorites when you get older. I don't care if one of them cares for you more than the other. They're all your kids. So be fair. Don't play favorites. And have your end of life matters in order. So they don't have to figure out whether there's a do not resuscitate or what you want. And they don't have to figure out who gets what because the will spells it all out. And by the way, um, we at Harvest have a class for that. Uh, We have a a retired man who did nothing but that for a living, teaching people that. And uh, he's a Christian. And and so at every campus this fall, I think, or over the next few months, it'll be offered. If you don't have your will in order, and, and your end-of-life things, we got a great, it's just going to tell you, do this, boom, you're ready to go. Because I don't know how to put all that stuff together, do you? 
There's somebody who does. They'll give you a little booklet, you fill it out, take it to the lawyer, and it's done. So, uh, but that's an act of love. Okay, second thing I want to say about this commandment. We're almost done. I mean, honor your father and mother, how hard is that? But there's more here. This is the first commandment with a promise. It said, honor your father and mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God has given you. I think many have wrongly thought this means if I honor my parents, I'm, I, I won't die young. You could honor your parents and die young. You can honor your parents and get hit by a bus when you're, when you're 19. Um, you could go to war and die. You can, it, it might prolong your life because it decreases the possibility that your mother will kill you when you're 12. But... But if you look at it carefully and look at the context of where the Jews are, they're out in the desert waiting to go, he's talking to the nation. Honor your father and mother that your, plural, days will be long in the land that God is giving you. Remember, he's about to move them into the promised land. He's actually telling them something more important than their own personal lives. He is saying, your national health is at stake if you obey this command. Did you hear me? To obey the command, honor your father and mother, put your national health at stake. Why does Israel's national health depend on the fifth commandment? Well, here it is. The family is God's plan for a healthy nation. And the family, and ideally, is a mom, a dad, and their kids that they raise to not talk back, to obey, to know God, and then to marry and repeat the process. Uh, when parents teach kids properly to obey and to speak right, they're normally going to have a well... I mean, you could have one kid. Kids can disobey. They can still be bad. But for the most part, you're going to maximize the number of children who become grown-ups who are well-behaved employees, good neighbors, and good citizens. That's how you do it. We live in a world of immature adults. Why? Because everybody's divorced. Period. You, you can do your studies and you can read your books or you can say, oh, you're going to hurt divorced people's feelings. But it's just the truth. Raised without daddy, you often don't learn to obey. Because daddy's scary when he gets mad. It's just real. It's, it, God has a plan. When parents teach kids about God and set the right example, live a godly life themselves, they become godly citizens Repeat the process. This is the chain links of society is the human family made like God said. This dynamic will bless any nation, including the United States, and it always has until really now. We live in a fallen world, and I know that even you guys are trying your best. Families aren't perfect. I know that. I know it. Sometimes you could do your best, and husband leaves, wife leaves. Okay. (laughs) Family's not perfect. But if we set aside the ideal pattern, then we have nothing to strive for and we won't be striving for health. I will push it farther and say historically we are probably at a time of more mass rebellion at the deepest level against God than this world has ever known. It's also a time more folks are getting saved. You have great good and great evil happening at the same time. And your sign of rebellion is the destruction of the family. Because what it is is absolute hatred for the way God made us and the way God intended us to be. Male and female, mom and dad, kids. There's hatred for that. 
It's reflected in the deconstruction of the family, which has been going on under my nose my entire lifetime. I was born in 1963. Uh, I thought everything was okay. Kennedy died four days later. I'm laying in my crib thinking, I didn't do it. And, you know, for the most part, it's a safe world I'm in. But little did I know that the seeds were already sown. Feminist seeds, mostly. If you think feminism is about treating women fairly, you don't know what feminism is. That's not what it's about. Any reasonable person would say women should be treated fairly. But it's not just that. It's, 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 a, it's a giving up a belief in God, a giving up a belief of absolutes. That's even bigger. Male and female mean nothing in parenting now. If I, this sermon would be called hate speech by many outside of the church. It just would. And it's not. It's just truth. Male and female are to mean nothing in parenting. If two men want to say they're married, which is, by the way, it's not a marriage. It's a facade. It's a game. It's a clown show. It's a clown show. When two women say they're going to get married, it's a clown show. It's just not real. Well, they're married to you. But marriage is not a human institution. God is the one who connects or doesn't connect. You can play your little game. It's like playing house. Playing house. Two girls can play house. And one can pretend to be the husband and one can pretend to be the wife. That's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. They're playing. But they know they're not married. <laughs> Two men get together and say, you, <laughs> we're married. You're playing house. Because God didn't tie it. And then they have kids. Well, you can't have kids if you're two women or two men. Can you? It doesn't matter. Find some way to inseminate somebody. There are married people who are purposely, so-called married, purposely creating children, that we're all supposed to celebrate this, who are taken away from their dad or their mom, because that's their surrogate, given to two men or two women and said, this is normal. It's not normal. Why is it not normal? Every human heart is made by God to want a daddy. Period. And every human heart is made by God to want a mommy. I love my mom. I love my dad. I don't want two moms. People who were raised without a dad wish they had one. And we say, no, 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 that's because of society. No, it's God's way. And what it really is, is, and by the way, I'm not making fun of gay people. I'm making, I'm aiming at all of society because society applauds. Yes, this is the way it should be. No, it's not. And then we have purposeful single parenting. You may be a heterosexual. You say, well, I don't really need a husband to help me. Yeah, you do. Minimizing the damage of divorce. Kids are resilient. I was a child of divorce. Let me tell you something about children of divorce. They have no idea how bad it is until they're 20-something. Then they go, why is life weird? And they don't get the attention. Parents are absorbed in themselves. No, kids are resilient. Baloney. Children are not raised, and this this is even from Christian families doing this, with building a family in mind. Um, The world has shoved Christians into thinking the same thing. Motherhood is diminished. Oh, your daughter's going to college. Great, yeah. Then what? If you talk about marriage, oh, she's not getting married. She's got to get her degree and get her thing first. Well, by your math, she'll be married. She won't even look for a man until she's 32. 
Well, that's fine. Why? Because motherhood is diminished. Motherhood's not valuable. Because the world doesn't value it. Financial prowess is encouraged. I can make money. Go, you go, girl. Big stinking deal. Fatherhood is diminished. Fatherhood is nothing. Men, men, the millennial man is driving women crazy because he wants to go on adventures and ride his, his mountain bike or play his video games and he doesn't want to ask her to marry him ever. Because <laughs> he's busy being a little boy. Little boys. The man who won't marry not because he can't get a girl, that can be your case, and then it just sucks to be you, but, <laughs> sorry. But the man who won't marry because he's busy playing, because he likes life like this, because he gets all the sex he wants, virtually or real, he's a little boy. And our society says that's good. Babies, even of married couples, are accessories that maybe you'll add one day. Now, I'm not saying there's anything. We're Protestants. If you want to plan your children, plan them. <laughs> but I'll tell you, even Christians, you start to wonder, why do you think you got married? Uh, we live in a world that sex is for all adults at all times, not for procreation. This is not God's plan, folks. We must not let the world push us into its mode so, I'm going to tell you, if you have children, you raise them to be husbands and wives, moms and dads. You tell them, you're probably going to be a mom, and you're probably going to be a dad. And tell them what that involves. <laughs> and it's going to be good. You're probably going to be a husband, you're probably going to be a wife. And tell them it's more important than their stupid job. And I'm not talking about the women either. Men and women. The reason you go to your job, so you can pay for the women and the children to eat, men. Women, I'm not saying women can't have jobs. Go have jobs. My wife has a job. I want her to make boo-coo bucks. <laughs> but if she made, now our kids are out, she made $10 million in the next five years, I wouldn't trade it for a moment that she invested in raising those kids when she wasn't making any. I wouldn't trade it. It's Satan. <laughs> so if the video just got weird, folks, it's because some of these lights went out. I'm going to keep rolling. Honor fatherhood. Honor motherhood. Buy girls dolls. Tell men they got to be grown-ups. I'm not insensitive to the reality that some Christians never marry and want to. In fact, I'm heartbroken. I wish every, every woman, every man who wanted to be married could have a good spouse. I'm not incensed to the fact that God doesn't give children to everybody. Some families, I'm not incensed to the fact that some families fall apart. In all those cases, life isn't over. We serve the Lord with thanksgiving and we learn, lean on the church as our family. So finally, we must honor God as Father by loving one another as siblings. 
We honor God as Father by loving one another as siblings. The apostles knew when they left their homes and left their jobs to follow Jesus. The big 12, those are the ones I'm talking about. They realized, if I leave my job, I'm not making much money if I follow around Jesus. And Peter asked a question about it because he knew he was trading, potentially trading his family life. As it turns out, he would get married and have kids. But at the time, he thought I could be potentially, he was married, but he could but point was, he was going to, in a direction didn't make money <laughs> and leaving his family. And so Peter said to Jesus, is this worth it? When he said, Mark 10, we, see, we left everything and followed you. Jesus said, truly I say to you, there's no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions, and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. What is Jesus saying here? Well, he's saying a lot of things that I'm not going to cover, but as to our point today about uh, if God is our Father, he is saying that when you join the church, that is your family. Um, and if you're following Jesus like an apostle, you're going to get persecutions. But everywhere you go, you've got brothers and sisters and their houses are your houses and your houses are their houses. I'm not saying Peter could march into a house and say, this is mine. <laughs> but he would have someone to feed him. He'd have a bed to sleep in. He'd have brothers and sisters. Uh, not all Christians are going to leave home to serve the Lord. You can serve them right there, but some will. And that was Peter's question. He says, you're not going to lose anything on that front, Peter. And the principle here is there's a brotherhood that spans oceans and ages. Um, when my kids were little, sometimes I'd see a fish fly by. I love flying fish, right? You're, you're driving your car. You're doing somewhere close to the speed limit if you're me. Close. You can see it. It's still there. And then somebody flies by, flying fish. I'm like, good. Cop will get him. But I'd, <laughs> since I had a fish on the car, that's what I mean, flying fish, they got a fish on the car, boom. I'd be like to my kids, that's our tribe. You know, they have a honk if you love Jesus thing. I'm like, hey, those are our people. Because they are. I don't know them. I have ancestors from which I was born, and, and I know that kin, blood kin, is natural, or even adopted blood kin, is natural to, to put them first. And you should put them first, because you can't love everyone equally. You can't give to everyone equally. You just are limited. So you, you better take care of those closest to you. But being linked by blood, marriage, or adoption is one thing. Being linked by the blood of Christ is eternal. There's people I'm linked to by blood, marriage, or adoption. Well, not marriage. Well, by other people's marriage, yeah. That I may not know for eternity, but you people, I will know for eternity. And for those who don't have any family at all, you have the church. Now, do churches normally produce people who love like brothers and sisters? You can answer that. I'll answer for you. No, they don't. Not really. They produce some. It's hard to find a church. It's hard to find a Christian who thinks like It's hard to find a Christian. I think if you go to persecuted places or poor places where the church is, it's easier to find brotherhood. Around America, I'm not against wealth. I'm glad God blesses us. But it's really hard to find that kind of love and commitment to one another. But here's what I want to say to you, Christian. That's not an excuse. Mature Christians don't wait for the perfect church to start loving like a brother or a sister. True Jesus followers risk. They make themselves vulnerable. 
They love like kin. And yeah, at times they're betrayed. And they forgive and get back in there. This love of the church is required or you are breaking the fifth commandment. You say, how am I breaking the fifth commandment? That's about parents. Isn't God your father? If you should honor your father and mother, is there a bigger father than God? Did he not say love one another as I have loved you? By this all men will know that you're my disciples that you have love for one another? You're going to break the commandment if you're not willing to love the people in the church. People are like, well, I like Jesus, but I can't go to the organized religion because they're all hypocrites. Okay, you're breaking the fifth commandment every single day as you don't go to church, as you don't get to know those people. Because your dad told you, don't be an idiot like that. That's not how he said it. He said, honor your father and mother. That's how I said it. I was, I was talking with a brother um, up at the high school during uh, Kid Fest, and, and he said to me, hey, aren't all human beings children of God? I said, no, they're not. And they're not. He said, well, that's not fair. Aren't we all children? We're not all children of God. You have to be born again. <laughs> you, have, you have to be born again to be a child of God. You have to put your faith in Christ to be a child of God. You're a creature of God. You're offspring of God. He, lo- he loves you, but you're not his child. And family comes first with us. Family comes first with God. Just does. We look out for family first. You might say, well, what about those not in the family? <laughs> well, if they're not believers, have you ever seen a great family, when you were, especially when you're a kid. If you can think back to when you're a kid. If you are a kid, think back to now. Just a great family. Parents seem to like get along. Not like your parents. <laughs> it's a joke. You guys are not laughing today, I guess. You're too convicted. That's what, No. That, that often, I'll tell you, as a kid who comes, well, I love both my parents, n- not complaining about them, but they did divorce and it made for difficult things and I saw some families that seemed to have it all together and, I, and you could take shelter and safety in being friends of a family like that. There's people in this world who don't have God for a father. What should you do? Show them how your family loves. Love them in a way they don't expect. Be generous to them. Be good to them. Forgive them. Be kind to them. Show them you live by a different set of rules. And then invite them home to meet your dad. Say, why don't you come to my church? And then we'll tell them Jesus loves them. And they might say, okay, I'd like to be adopted. And he will. You say, well, God, would God adopt them? They haven't been good. They just walked in. He loves saving people who just walked in. He adopts you like that. He doesn't even look you over long. He already knows who you are. John 3, 16. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Jesus Christ went to a cross perfect though he was to die. He's the son of God and he died for the sins of your friend. Bring him in. Let's tell him. What happens if we tell him? What happens if they believe? Galatians 4, 6. You become sons of God. Ladies, you get to be daughters. But the Greek uses the masculine plural. Because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Ava. 
father. Abba would be an informal way. So it proves that he's your dad. In other words, in, in, in Hebrew, father is Av, A-V, Av. They don't use B's in Hebrew. So often we would say Ab because we use B's and V's, V's don't work well for the English mouth. You're not used to them unless they're at the very front of a word. <laughs> um, uh, they're hard. So you put two of them together, we say Abba. It's not some silly band that plays so Meryl Streep can be in a movie. Abba means daddy. means daddy or papa. Let's say papa. That's probably better. It's an informal way because when you grow up, unless you're from the south, you might not say daddy, but you may say pop or papa or dad. You don't always go up to your dad and say, father, you know, I'm 50 and I call him dad. It's kind of informal. Well, that's what Abba is. You come to Jesus. I don't care if your earthly father abandoned you or doesn't even like you. God likes you and he'll be your dad. John 1, 12 and 13 says, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. It's a right bought by Christ. You didn't have it before that. And if you receive Jesus, Jesus is the only way in. God's not gonna be, this is why God, not all people are children of God. You gotta come through Jesus. All who did receive him, Jesus. All who did believe in him, Jesus. Not all. But if you receive Jesus, which is the same as believing in Jesus, then he gives you the right to be a a children of God and you are born again. What do I mean? It says it right there. Who were born. You were born when you received Jesus. Say, well, I was already born. That's where we get the term born again. You were born physically, but you were not born spiritually. You were dead who were born, how? Not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man. In other words, not because any man or woman made a willful decision that they wanted to have a baby, but God did, but of God. Receiving Jesus equals joining a family, God's family. God is Father. If God is my Father, and you are my sister and brother, why can't we love one another? We can. How do we honor, how do we all collectively keep the fifth commandment? Well, it's the same as honoring human parents. Keep a proper tongue in your head when it comes to God and do what he says. And don't be mean to your sister. I mean, it's just like humans, right? Love one another. Christian life is not complicated and you don't even have to be smart to do it. You don't. You just have to be humble. Take God as Father, one another as family. And and that's the fifth commandment. Who's ready to obey it with me? Because I think it's fun to obey this one. I don't think it's bad. It's good. It's good. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Harvest Community Church. We invite you to join us at any one of our four campuses located in Catanning, Petrolia Valley, Indiana, and Freeport. For more information, check us out on the web at harvestpa.org.